The stories featured in Greeking Out are original adaptations of classic Greek myths. This week's story features jealous siblings, gaslighting, a very unpleasant prophecy, and hiding your true self. Greeking Out, the greatest stories in history, were told in Greek mythology. Greeking Out, gods and heroes, amazing feats, listen and you'll see it's Of Eros and Psyche, Part 1. We interrupt our regularly scheduled programming involving monsters and heroes and death and blood and trials and tribulations to offer you something a little bit different. This is a fairy tale, and like any good fairy tale, it begins with a beautiful princess. Aren't you forgetting something? I'm sorry? If this is a fairy tale, then I believe you are forgetting something. I'm not sure I follow. Once upon a time. Oh, yes, right. Sorry. Thank you, Oracle. Once upon a time, there was a beautiful princess. Now, this princess was beautiful in looks, yes, but she was also beautiful in spirit. She didn't just have a pretty face. She had a humble heart, a sharp mind, and a deep well of kindness. But it was her face that was most admired throughout her kingdom. And her name was Psyche. Her beauty was so rare that people came from many miles away just to catch a glimpse of her. She caught the attention of everyone around and was rumored to be prettier than any nymph. Some even said she might be the daughter of the goddess of love and beauty herself, Aphrodite. Now, as you can imagine, Aphrodite did not appreciate this rumor. She didn't care for Psyche's charm, and she really didn't care to be compared to a mere mortal. Who does this mortal woman think she is? Aphrodite fumed. Everyone loves her. They seem to forget she's just a measly little human. Maybe it's time I remind them. So Aphrodite called for her son, Eros. Now Eros was a young, handsome god who commanded respect from humans and mortals alike. He carried a bow and arrow with him at all times, and a single prick of his arrow could render complete power over any god or mortal. Listeners may recognize Eros by his Roman counterpart, Cupid. Oh, so they're the same? You know, like Heracles and Hercules and... Yes, but let's not start that again. Yeah, okay, good idea. Thank you. Aphrodite ordered Eros to visit Psyche and use his arrows to make her fall in love with what she referred to as, quote, the most miserable creature alive. She wanted Psyche to be so in love with such a despicable creature that everyone would forget all about her and would be free to dote upon Aphrodite once again. Eros was eager to impress his mother Aphrodite and win her favor, so he agreed. Eros went down to the mortal realm and found the palace where Psyche lived. He had his arrow ready, pointed straight at her, but he held off for a moment. To tell the truth, Eros was a little reluctant to do such a cruel thing to someone who really hadn't done anything. But he was sure his mother had a good reason for what she had ordered, so he watched Psyche all day. Creepy. Okay, yes, definitely a bit of a creeper move, but... He wanted to catch her doing something bad, kicking puppies or poisoning people, so he would know why he was sent to do this. But what he saw was just a normal young woman going about her day. She was kind to everyone she met, went on walks with her mother, wove tapestries with quick fingers in her free time. She even helped her father with some of his royal decisions. 
In fact, when a snake slithered into her room, instead of calling the guards to come kill it, Psyche caught it safely and returned it outside. I like her. Yeah, I knew you would. And so did everyone else, which is why Aphrodite was so jealous. King cobras can reach up to 18 feet in length and can lift one-third of their body off the ground to look a grown-up in the eye. Yeah, okay, thanks, Oracle. We're not going to do the snake thing this time. Anyway, Eros was really taken with Psyche's kindness. He saw what so many people didn't care to look for in her, what she was inside. He was impressed. It was clear that Psyche was more than just a pretty face. So that night, he crept into her room, planning to carry out his mother's wishes. But as he gazed down at her, he found himself unable to take out his arrow. I can't do it, he said. I can't play any part in bringing her misfortune. She doesn't deserve this fate. She deserves to fall in love with someone who cherishes her, someone who realizes just how special she is. Eros walked away with his head held high. He may have disobeyed his mother, but he had followed his heart. His heart that was falling deeper and deeper in love with Psyche. Aphrodite was not happy, but she couldn't make Eros do it, so she contented herself with blocking all the local young men from wanting to marry Psyche. And so the days and the weeks and the months and the years passed, with Psyche growing more and more beautiful and no one ever coming to Psyche's father to ask for her hand in marriage. It's important to point out that this story comes from a time when men and women were expected to be married. And for women especially, the choice of a partner was super important because it would affect their whole lives. Psyche's sisters had beautiful weddings, but although everyone admired Psyche from afar, no one seemed willing to propose marriage. Why is this happening, father? Psyche asked one night. Why does no one want to marry me? Am I doing something wrong? You are the kindest young woman in the world, the king reassured his daughter. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you. You just haven't met a man worthy of your goodness. Still, her parents were starting to get a little nervous. They truly believed that no one was good enough for Psyche, but time was passing quickly, and they very much wanted their daughter to find the happiness they knew she deserved. So her mother and father decided to go to the Oracle of Apollo at Delphi for help. They wanted the Oracle to tell them about Psyche's future so they could rest assured that she would be well taken care of when they were gone. The Oracle at Delphi was a sacred site dedicated to Apollo. Inside, on a golden tripod, was an elderly woman who would give predictions about the future. Those predictions were explained by the priests to the people who came to seek help. The Oracle of Delphi was one of the most respected prophets in the land. Any prediction she made was practically guaranteed to come true. There was simply no one wiser than the Oracle of Delphi. Although I am very wise... I would like to remind our listeners that I am not the oracle in this story. I am the oracle of Wi-Fi, not Delphi. Yeah, thanks for clearing that up, oracle. <laughs> now, as I was saying, the oracle of Delphi gave a prediction about Psyche's future. Aphrodite was hard at work here as well, influencing the oracle, and it was not a good prediction. The oracle said that while Psyche would indeed get married, it would be to an ugly spirit. She must walk to the abyss, say goodbye to her loved ones, and wait for her husband to arrive there. It was the only way she would have a future. She'd never get to see her family again. And eventually, her husband would be the end of Psyche and take her life. 
Naturally, both her parents were devastated. Her father returned to the palace in tears. When Psyche saw her father, she knew something was gravely wrong. He told her what the oracle said. But I will not let that be your fate, he concluded. I will not let this happen to you. Psyche wasn't sure why, but this terrible prediction didn't scare her as much as it should have. Maybe she didn't really believe what the oracle said, or maybe she thought there was a misunderstanding. Either way, she felt calm, settled, ready. This was her fate. This was her path. It was time for her to take the first step. I will go, father, she insisted. I want to see what my future has in store for me. I am ready. Psyche couldn't explain it, but she knew in her heart that this was the right decision. This doesn't mean she wasn't afraid, but Psyche decided to look her fear dead in the eye and march forward regardless. She couldn't shake the feeling that there was something out there waiting for her. This feeling is commonly known as intuition, or knowing something to be true without having a reason. Despite having no basis in logic, it can be strangely accurate. Exactly. Psyche decided to follow her intuition, and on the next morning, Psyche woke up with a feeling that could only be described as excitement. Her sisters helped her with her veil and her wedding wreath. They sprinkled her with perfume, and she resolutely started marching down to the abyss. There was a sense of dread and sadness in the air. Psyche's parents wept as the whole family walked her to her doom. No one could believe this was the fate of the beautiful Psyche. But not everyone was devastated. In fact, Psyche's sisters couldn't help but smile. All these years they had been pushed aside, outshined in every way by their older and incredibly beautiful sister. They didn't say it out loud, of course, but they secretly thought she was getting the fate she deserved. After all, no one could have that much luck in one lifetime. Psyche hugged her father goodbye and stood at the edge of the abyss as the wedding party went back to the palace. She was ordered to wait there and meet her husband alone. She had no idea who or what would come out of that abyss. She had no idea what the future would look like. She just knew that it started here, at the edge of a cliff. Suddenly, Psyche heard a whistling. She felt a rush of air coming towards her, and when she looked out towards the abyss, the shape of a man was there, holding out his hand. Are you my husband? she asked nervously. No, he replied. I am Zephyrus. I am here to escort you to your new home. Zephyrus is the Greek god of the west wind. He is the gentlest of winds and is known to be the messenger of spring. Psyche took Zephyrus' hand and was instantly transported by the wind, dipping up and down, weaving through clouds. She was quite literally walking on air. It felt like a dream. Finally, they slowed to a halt. Goodbye, sweet Psyche, Zephyrus said. Your kingdom is just beyond the hill. Psyche began walking up the hill, eager to see what the kingdom would look like. Where would she live? How would she occupy her days? Who would be her people? And most importantly, what would her husband be like? We'll get back to Psyche and her new kingdom in a second, but first a commercial break. In Izzy Newton and the Smart Squad, Absolute Hero, find out how Izzy Newton and her friends use the science smarts to solve a chilly mystery at Adam Middle School and how the power of friendship can help break the ice. It's the first book in a fun new fiction series inspired by real scientists. Check out the series at bit.ly forward slash ng izzy. That's bit.ly forward slash n g i z z y. 
When she finally made her way all the way to the top, she looked down at the kingdom and gasped. It was by far the most beautiful palace she had ever seen. The golden walls and arches were nestled in a bed of luscious green hills. There were flowers and trees surrounding it and big, beautiful gardens everywhere she looked. It was magnificent, a home worthy of a god. Even the palaces in her storybooks couldn't compare. Out of nowhere, she heard a kind voice behind her. Welcome, Psyche, the voice whispered. This palace is your home, and we are your dutiful servants. Psyche looked around, but she didn't see anyone. I, 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 I'm sorry, she spoke with a trembling voice. But, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't see you. Please reveal yourself. We would if we could, madam. But we are invisible servants. Simply give us a command, and we will do it. We are always here for you, and always willing to help. It is our job to make your stay here as comfortable as possible. Could this really be happening, Psyche thought? Invisible servants? I think invisible servants are also creepy. Creepy? Yes. You'd never have any privacy. It would be unsettling. I don't know. I think they're kind of cool. You know, I mean, having these invisible waiters at your beck and call. No, they are definitely creepy. Well, uh, you're entitled to your own opinion, I guess. But regardless, Psyche spent the next few days exploring her new home. She spent hours walking through the garden, weaving tapestries for her walls, and exploring the ins and outs of the palace. The servants, despite being invisible, were kind and considerate and incredibly prompt. She spent the following afternoon relaxing by the brook, thinking about her good fortune. But one thought was troubling Psyche. Where was her husband? Why hadn't he come to greet her yet? Could this all be too good to be true? Excuse me, she called into the air, attempting to beckon one of her invisible servants. Yes, madam. Do you know, can you tell me where my husband is? She asked nervously. He will come to you this evening. He only likes to visit in the dark. Oh, Psyche replied nervously. Is he nice? I'm afraid I'm not at liberty to say. I see. Well, uh, thank you. That will be all. Psyche was nervous. Why wouldn't her husband meet her in the daytime? Why the dark? That is very ominous, Psyche thought gloomily. That night, Psyche sat on her bed nervously. She kept her wedding dress on and made sure her hair was styled for the occasion. A lamp was lit by her bedside table. She couldn't wait to finally meet her husband. Suddenly, Psyche heard a rustling in the dark. Turn off the light, the voice ordered. Dear, dear husband, Psyche stammered, I, I, I wish to see your face. I, I want to know the one whom I will love for all my days. I do not wish to be seen, the voice barked. Psyche fumbled to put out the lamp. She didn't know why her groom insisted on total darkness, but she understood that it was important to him. I apologize. If, if this is how you prefer that we meet, then this is how we will meet. Thank you. There was an awkward pause. Uh, I'm truly grateful for all that you've done for me so far, Psyche began nervously. This is such a beautiful palace. The servants have been so attentive, even if it is a bit odd that they're invisible and, uh, yeah. Uh Uh-oh. Psyche hadn't meant to complain or insult the servants. Not that it's a problem or anything. It's just a bit unusual, you know, invisible servants and all that. 
Her husband began to chuckle from the darkness. <laughs> it is a bit unusual now that you mention it. See, even he agrees. It's creepy. Okay, fine. Psyche and her husband talked until the sun started to rise. Just as the first rays of light began to make their way into the room, her husband got up to leave, thanking her for a wonderful conversation. And although Psyche had enjoyed the conversation, she was still distracted by the fact that her husband wished to remain unseen. Was she supposed to go through her whole marriage without ever laying her eyes on the guy? Why won't he share who he really is? But while Psyche didn't get to know the identity of her husband, we, the lucky listeners of this epic fairy tale, know that her groom is none other than, drumroll please, Eros. Uh, yeah, uh, thank you, Oracle. You kind of stole my thunder there, but yes, it was Eros. And while Psyche was still a little skeptical of the situation, Eros was thrilled. He couldn't believe his luck. She is more beautiful than I remember, he exclaimed to his servants the morning after their first meeting. And she came here all by herself. She just walked away from her old life. So brave, so wise, so charming, so easy to talk to. But why don't you let her see you as you really are, the servants asked. You're very handsome. I'm sure she'd love to see your face. It's true. Eros is what the kids refer to nowadays as a snack. He had good looks, and he was known for his playful mischievousness and his sense of humor. But Eros was also smart. He knew that Psyche would be impressed by the fact that he was a god. She might be intimidated when she learned that Aphrodite was her mother-in-law, and he knew she'd be horrified when she found out that Aphrodite had ordered Eros to ruin Psyche's life because she was so jealous of her beauty. I don't want anything to come between us, Eros told the servants. I don't want our love to be influenced by the fact that I'm a god. I just want our relationship to exist between our two hearts. Love and only love. Nothing else matters. And so... Eros continued to visit Psyche only under the cover of darkness. And over time, Psyche began to forget that she had never seen her husband's face. Instead, she spent her time focusing on his quick wit, the way he made her laugh, and his gentle companionship. Without ever having seen his face, Psyche found herself beginning to fall in love with his heart. This gives new meaning to the expression, love is blind. And in turn... Psyche told him her deepest thoughts, her secret worries, and her everyday joys. She showed him her authentic self and kept nothing back. But despite her growing affection for her husband, Psyche couldn't help but feel like something was missing. You mean, besides knowing what he looked like? Yeah, besides that. Because that's kind of a big deal. Yeah, I know, but she was also worried about something else. Her family. Psyche told Eros how much she missed her family and how much it bothered her that they thought she was married to a horrible monster. She wanted them to know that she was safe and happy and in love. Eros thought about this. He was worried about her leaving. He knew he was asking her to ignore some serious red flags in order to be with him. And he knew her family cared about her a lot and might be concerned. What if they didn't want her to come back? What if Psyche fell out of love with him while she was away? But what is love without trust, Eros wondered. Eventually, he mused, he would have to let Psyche go. After all, if she genuinely loved him, she would come back. 
So Eros agreed that Psyche could go and visit her family. And Psyche was ecstatic. She couldn't wait to tell her father about the beautiful soul that she married. She thought her sisters would love to hear all about her luxurious kingdom and invisible servants. She wanted to leave right away. There was no time to waste. After Psyche had packed and been whisked off by Zephyr back to her family, Eros' heart began to fill with dread. He hadn't ordered her to come back when she was done with her visit. Would she return at all, he wondered? Meanwhile, when Psyche returned to her kingdom, her father fell to his knees in gratitude, thanking the gods that his daughter was still alive. Psyche told him all about the palace and her husband, making it clear that she was completely and utterly happy with how the marriage had turned out. And while the king was certainly glad that Psyche was happy, he was a little bit suspicious about the whole arrangement. After all, the Oracle of Delphi is never wrong. I am sad to report that this is not true. I hate to admit it, but oracles can be wrong from time to time. Okay, wow. Thanks for your honesty. I know that's tough for you to admit. Not everyone was thrilled to see Psyche. Her sisters, for example, were not thrilled. While relieved that Psyche was okay, they were rather jealous that she had found complete and total happiness when they were just barely getting by. And they were quick to point out that Psyche couldn't possibly be as happy as she was letting on. After all, she had never even seen her husband. The theme of sibling rivalry, or jealous brothers and sisters, has been around for as long as humans have been telling stories. And, spoiler alert, it never ends well for the jealous siblings. True. Psyche tried to ignore her sister's doubts and her father's fears. It was natural for them to be suspicious, she reasoned. They had never met her husband, and they didn't know him like she did. Plus, that prophecy was awfully dark. But by this time, Psyche knew her husband better than she knew any other living soul. He had a kind heart and was good and was loving. He would never hurt her. She had to trust in that. She had to trust in their love. Psyche so wanted her sisters to understand her husband's goodness that she decided to bring them back to the palace with her. He wouldn't reveal himself to them, of course, at at least not in daylight, but maybe they could all chat together after dark. At the very least, the sisters would get a chance to see the beautiful palace and meet the invisible servants. Okay, you know, this is a great place for a break, so if you want to, hit the pause button here, take a stretch, get some water, pet the dog, whatever, and then we'll pick up in just a second. All right, everybody good? Okay, let's move on to the rest of the story. The sisters reluctantly agreed, and together they went to the edge of the abyss where they waited for Zephyrus to escort them to the kingdom. Zephyrus couldn't help but notice how rudely the sisters treated Psyche. They rolled their eyes behind her back and made snide comments about how far away she lived. He could tell that, blood or no blood, these women were not supportive of Psyche. But when the sisters arrived at Psyche's kingdom, they had no choice but to admire the beauty and splendor of the palace. I guess it is rather nice, they reluctantly agreed. But the invisible servants are odd, you have to admit. See? Yeah, okay, okay, invisible servants are creepy. You win, I get it. Try as they might, and truth be told, they didn't try very hard, the sisters couldn't contain their jealousy. It just wasn't fair that Psyche got all the luck. She was kind, intelligent, and she was famous for her beauty. Why did she get to live in a magic kingdom with a loving husband while they were barely acknowledged in their own lackluster palaces? The sisters had to do something. 
They couldn't just sit by and watch their sister be happy forever. They had to intervene. Don't forget, dear Psyche. The sisters began over lunch. Your husband is a monster. The Oracle said so. He might seem loving and kind, but it's all an act. It has to be. The Oracle is never wrong. But he is gentle. I know he is. There must be some mistake, Psyche cried. I doubt it. He's just trying to fool you and lull you into a sense of false security, the sister said. Remember, he will be responsible for your death. If you don't do something soon, he's going to get you one way or the other. Well, what do you suppose I do, Psyche asked. You can always leave, although I doubt you'd get very far. Now, it's much better if you end his life before he ends yours. Kill him? Psyche exclaimed. Well, yes. If you had bravery, you'd do it. But of course, you've never encountered an uncomfortable thing in your life, so I can understand why this would be difficult for you. But yes, Psyche, kill him. It's the only way. Gaslighting is where someone makes you question your own memory, perception, or judgment using denial, misdirection, and incorrect information. The term originated from a British play called Gaslight and its movie adaptations. Psyche broke down in tears. She knew her sisters were wrong about her husband, but a part of her was worried about the Oracle's prophecy. Was she a fool to do nothing? Could this all be too good to be true? Was she being cowardly by ignoring the signs? The sisters left Psyche crying in her palace and began to walk back to the abyss, laughing at their evil scheme. Zephyrus, overhearing the sisters' conversation, said, You two are nothing but cold-hearted fools. Psyche is a kind, wise woman. She will never believe that nonsense. She already did, they said laughing. Now take us back immediately. You must mistake me for a commoner. I am Zephyrus, god of wind. I do not take orders from mortals, especially jealous sisters. And with that, Zephyrus blew the sisters down into the abyss, leaving them to find their own way out. Good luck, he called. You'll need it down there. That evening, Eros came to visit Psyche like he always did, ecstatic that she had returned from her voyage. They had a wonderful night together, but Psyche couldn't stop thinking about what her sisters had said. When Eros finally fell asleep, she grabbed a knife from her bedside table and stood over her sleeping husband. I can't do it, she whispered. Oh, husband, are you really fated to kill me? Am I destined to fall in love with my murderer? Do I have to be a fool? She sat back on the bed, frustrated by the hopelessness of her fate. Suddenly, her eyes landed on a small lamp across the room. The Greeks made small clay pots filled with olive oil to use as lamps. They put a wick or a piece of string inside and lit it to light their way. That's it, Psyche thought. I just need to see him. If I could lay my eyes on my husband, I'm sure I would instantly know what his intentions are. I would know if he was a killer. I just need to see his face. Then I will know how to proceed. Slowly, Psyche held the lamp over his sleeping body. This was him, the man she loved with all her heart, the man she was married to, the man that just might be responsible for her death. He was beautiful. That was Psyche's first thought. He was handsome, yes, but he was also moving. Something stirred inside Psyche's chest. He looked like poetry, she thought. 
Suddenly, a drop of oil fell off the lamp, burning Arrow's chest. He leapt up and was shocked to find Psyche standing over him with a lamp in one hand and a knife in the other. What is going on here? He cried. I'm sorry, my husband. I just wanted to see your face. I had to, Psyche cried. Had to, he exclaimed. Had to? Why? Do you not trust me? Did you think I was some sort of monster? Would you not love me if I didn't look a certain way? No, Psyche cried. I would love you no matter what you look like. Your appearance means nothing to me. You know that. It's just... My sisters, they reminded me of the Oracle's prophecy. She said I would marry a monster and that he would ultimately be responsible for the end of my life. And you believe that? Why haven't you told me this before? I didn't believe it, but they... My sisters, they made me think I was foolish to believe this could happen to me. I was scared, and I... And so you broke the one promise I asked you to make. You saw me when I wanted my appearance to be kept in the dark. And you were planning to kill me if you didn't like what you saw. You betrayed me. Please, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. I'm sorry, too. But I cannot be married to someone I cannot trust. My name is Eros. I am your husband and the god of love. And you will never see my face again. How can I continue to love someone who betrays me? You can stay here if you like, but I won't be here with you. And with that, Eros flew away, leaving Psyche brokenhearted in the palace. Psyche was devastated. And after a week or so alone in her palace, she asked Zephyrus to escort her back to her parents' house. She cried when she told her father what had happened. She cried for months as she lay in bed wondering how she had been so stupid, how she could have been foolish enough to have true love and squander it away. After Psyche had been home for a few months, her father visited her in her room one evening. My daughter, I hate to see you in such despair, he began. I ruined it, father, Psyche cried. I ruined everything. Eros will never see me again. He hates me. Do you love him? Yes, father, with all my heart. Then you must not give him up. He doesn't want to see me anymore. He told me to leave him alone. The Psyche I know would not give up without a fight. And Psyche knew her father was right. This was not who she was. She didn't just give up when things got hard. She was someone who would fight for the people she loved. She would never stop fighting, no matter how hard things got. She would keep going. And so... Psyche woke up the following morning, ready to begin her search. She would find Eros and apologize. She would not give up on love so quickly. That's it for this week, but come back next week to hear the conclusion of the story of Eros and Psyche. National Geographic Kids Greeking Out is written by Kenny Curtis and Jillian Hughes and hosted by Kenny Curtis with Tori Kerr as the Oracle of Wi-Fi. Audio production and sound design by Scotty Beam, and our theme song was composed by Perry Grip. Dr. Diane Klein is our subject matter expert, and Emily Everhart is our producer.